Okay, so I have one for you. Pick two of your favorite authors that are no longer with us. So these would not be contemporary. And if they were not authors, what job do you think they would have? And I'm going to push this a little bit further. I'm going to say if they were alive now. What job, so not back in the day, like, because I have a couple of people I want to pick specifically who would not have been allowed to do what I think they would have been really okay. good at. Uh, so uh, so if they were alive today, what would they be doing if they weren't authors? So, Oh, well, I'll pick one contemporary, okay. Mike Resnick, passed away recently, science fiction author, very prolific, very much space opera, military sci-fi, but also did fantasy and other things. He'd be breeding horses. Really? Horses were his passion. Oh, yeah? So he would be breeding horses. Okay. All right. Okay. That's fair. Um, I'm going to go way back. Marcus Tullius Cicero. That's way back. And today, he would be what he was then. He would be a senator, mm. probably Republican from someplace like North Carolina <laughs> or West Virginia, delightfully and very urbanely and um, wittily throwing bombs in the Senate. <laughs> So, yeah, so he'd still be doing what he was doing. Yeah. No, he would be, I mean, he was very much an elitist. Okay. Made no bones about it. He was a country guy. He wanted his estate and his farm. So, you know, I can see him with a nice big plantation or horse farm down in the Carolinas or someplace like that. He would be um, the conservative intellectual. Okay. Fair enough. He would be the conservative gadfly it's, in the Senate. It's funny that you say that because I picked Charlotte Perkins Gilmore, who wrote the Yellow Wallpaper and who was a humanist and is considered to be one of the original feminists because she was a humanist. And I don't know that she would consider herself a feminist because she was a humanist. And that was, and for her, it wasn't about, it was all about you know, being equal and treating people as people, as humans. And I think she would be a politician if she were alive today rather than what she was doing back then, which she was a bit of an activist. Uh, she was, uh, she formed the first coalition of child care and home care of women so that the women who wanted to go out to work could. It was almost like a co-op. And her idea was that the women who wanted to go out into the world and work could and the ones who wanted to do housekeeping and child care would be the caretakers and, and do that mm -hmm. so that the other women could go out and work. But she was, you know, certainly born at the wrong time to make a go of all of that because there was it just the world wasn't ready for it. And I think she would be definitely a politician and a successful one in this day and age. But she would not be a Republican. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> she would not, by any stretch, be a Republican. Uh, she and AOC would probably get along yeah. quite well. Uh, and then Mary Shelley. So I was thinking about Mary okay. Shelley. And my first instinct was, would she be a scientist? Would Mary Shelley be a scientist? And then I got to thinking about all the other things that she did. And I think she would have been a social worker and an activist. I don't think she would have gone into science. So her... She did a lot of work was with... Was it her daughter who was the mathematician? 
I don't remember that part. I, I don't know that she had any a daughter that grew to uh, maturity. It was... She had a number of children who died young or died in childbirth. Uh, Maybe her. What? She was she was a brilliant mathematician who got very little credit because it was mid nineteenth century. Mm. Well, she is somehow connected with Mary Shelley. She may be one of Lord Byron's. Yeah, she. Daughters, but but not Shelley's, but 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 knew her and and was profoundly influenced by her sense of freedom because I can't remember that. I think it was Alice or, or something loveless just totally broke all the rules mm. Mm. and well, she I'd was actually a close associate of Charles Babbage well I'd have to go back and look at that I I know that Mary Shelley did a lot of work with fallen women and you know and and did not treat them as lesser and in fact, and she also she also managed to help a couple of people who were friends of hers uh, get fake IDs. So I I really think <laughs> there's something there that I want to dig a little harder into. So having this question come up, I thought was really interesting because there's a lot more to Mary Shelley than I realized when I started yeah, to dig I back can... in and. And I've read a lot of her work, but I hadn't really spent a lot of time on her. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I see that. Yeah. So there you go. I thought that was an interesting question that got tossed our way to give us something to talk about. So some interesting answers. Too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Before we forget, let's let's do a writing update. You're uh, deep in the throes. I'm deep of... in the throes of the Civil War still. Um, I've made my first two major plot points, uh, events that I that I really need to cover, and how do I say it? Humanize. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, there are three. One was there's a recorded speech that Dudley gives that sounds very pompous and you know overbearing. So I had to a good chunk of that speech in because it really defines his character very well and his his point of view. But I had to come up with a way to do it to make it was, seem to make it seem like this is what he would right. kind of naturally do. And it's and again bring out Emmeline's personality. So, you know, there's a gathering of the various guild merchants and and Chamber of Commerce people for Liverpool that is being held at the consular residence. And, of course, a good number of these people are pro-Confederate. And one, there, there is a record that this Mr. Goodall makes this speech about how he hopes that they can find a resolution to this war and normalize trade, which was lifted right out of a London paper editorial about normalization of the situation by recognizing the Confederacy. And so this is, you know, clearly a barb thrown at Dudley. So he gets up and gives a very impassioned speech about how this isn't about that. This is about slavery. Make no mistake, this war is about slavery. This is well before Lincoln 
mm-hmm. even enunciated this, and right. and Dudley was a staunch abolitionist the whole time. So of course he offends half the room. Whereupon Emmeline steps in, being the sociable one, realizes that this group of guys over here we're never going to get anywhere. You know they they they're already hardliners, but she notices all of the people who either actually listened to what her husband said or were not openly hostile and makes it a point then to circulate the room to deal with those people. I don't actually go into her doing that because he has to go away to right. deal with other stuff. But that was one. The second one was three guys trying to break the door down. Right. You told us about that. Yeah. You talked and a it's little like, bit this about is that before. This mentioned just as an incident. It's like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> this is serious stuff. Yeah. And the reaction to that. And then finally, uh, I'm up to where he gets knocked on the head and they mug him in the street, Dudley. But the only thing they take is his letter case. Right, right. Hmm. And now I'm going to have, this isn't mentioned in any of the histories, but I, I knowing what I've been able to glean about Henry Wilding, his second in command, Wilding was always a little bit reluctant to be as scrupulous about observing the law as Dudley. Wilding and Maguire are going to go out and raise a little hell in the streets of Liverpool. <laughs> They're going to clean up a little mess. They're going to take care of the parson. <laughs> All righty then. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm, a book that I am hoping you make fast progress on. So well, we can, it, I'm so hoping that it. by... I think another year. It's okay. gonna take me that. Yeah, long. it's well. This yeah. is a long project, and I'm. There's a lot of research involved in that. So what you're doing. I just this past weekend was down in Tucson at Tuscon, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you know Jim Doty. Yeah, I've met Jim. Yeah. Yeah. So Jim had finally retired and is writing full time. Oh. And we had a long talk about how much more fun it is when you can actually sit down and decide that. He's decided now this is my job. Right, right. And he's, you know, he says, your writing gets so much better. Your focus gets so much better. And I said, well, I'll wait and see, Jim. <laughs> we'll see how that works out. It, it, we should all be able to do what we... Well, well Michelle came down with me and, and the four of us, Jim's wife, Karen, was there. Nice. We had a great time. Yeah. We just had a yeah. lot of fun. <laughs> Well, I um I just finished the edits on Honoria. Oh good. Or not Honoria. Lostons on Lostons Found. So the the middle grade steampunk. Uh, I got the uh, edits done on that and I've seen a draft of the cover. I'm very, very excited. Oh cool. Oh, cool. So yeah. I wanna see this one. I'm really excited about this one. So that's where we're at on that. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting a formatted copy so that I can do another round of you know, proofing on it or editing on it. But, uh, yeah, I'm feeling really excited about it, really happy about it. It's been through multiple beta readers and an editor now, as well as my revisions, so it's in pretty good shape. Uh, I need to let it cool off a little bit before I go back and read it again, though, just to make sure. But, yeah, so cool. that's exciting. Yeah, and I'm, the cover's really going to be glorious. 